This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Lou Roberts. This is Tyrese Campbell. And you're listening to the Every Step Along The Way podcast. Hello and welcome to this, your latest edition of the Stoke City podcast, Every Step Along the Way. Joining me this week, as always, is Michael Stockley. Now, Mark, the season is approaching. How are you? Yeah, really, really good. Thank you, mate. I'm feeling confident. You can probably tell my voice I'm feeling confident. I'm feeling happy. Um, Lots more business to do, but yeah, feeling good. Thank you. Yes, the, the, the quiver of excitement, I can tell in your voice, mate. <laughs> well, season so ticket's that- been brought, Dan. <laughs> I was just going to say, has that come from a purchase of a season ticket? It certainly has, yeah. So uh, we're, we, me and you will be sitting next to each other. We're taking my little boy, um, and I think uh, some you're going to be taking one of you, one of your kids. I think Dan, or if I got that wrong? Yes, there will be a a, a child joining us. <laughs> yes, exactly. So nice little family outing every single week, so we can all be depressed together. That's great. <laughs> Talking of depressed, I think we'll start. Let's go right the way back to last Saturday, Derby County, 3-0 down at half-time. That was quite depressing, mate. Yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, I must admit, at that point of the day, I was uh, probably upside down on a roller coaster, uh, if I'm honest. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I kind of came out. Obviously, I've kept an eye on the score and uh, saw that it was pretty dismal. I, I managed to catch Alex Neal's comments after the game and saying how it was just a shocking performance. Uh, I've read all kind of a, a number of different uh, reports and I've looked at the Derby website, I've looked at the Stoke website, and from what I can gather, we really didn't offer very much um, none of the, the lads really impressed too much either which again, I guess a 3-0 scoreline is not going to be a positive I suppose so it sounds to me like a complete opposite of the game we'll talk about in a minute which is obviously Burton um, but pretty crap 3-0 loss um, with very little to shout about Yeah, I mean judging of what's happened at Burton and the transfer sort of you know, dealings that we're looking at doing it seems to me that maybe Edwards, Taylor and Bonham are the three, four guys from, from that game in particular. Um, maybe Josh Time in at left wing is something the managers also run out of patience with. Obviously, he's got more wingers in now. Whether that was just a stopgap to make sure both Stevens and Tymon could get minutes, uh, he was the best option at that time maybe. But uh, for somebody who's such a good attacking player from left back or left wing back, 
Josh never seems to do the business when they push him right further up, does he, on the left wing? No, but do you think that's down to the fact that he's, he's not a left winger? I mean, it's easy for us to go, oh, push him further up and, and everything. But I think those wing positions, it's probably a lot to... It's a lot to grasp and a lot. lot. than people realize. Yeah, I think so. And it's I think to just push him forward and expect him to be this worldy, I think is is probably really unfair. Um I definitely don't want to see him go, Dan. I know there's been bits he, again, I don't want to keep harping about Burton yet, but you know, again, he was to complete contrast from from what we saw. And it was one of the best games, and even though you would argue he played left back at that point. But uh, <laughs> I'm interested to see what we do with Josh Timon this season. I mean, I'm a big fan of Josh. When he when he was on form, he was unstoppable. Rangers wanted him. We were all his fan base going, "Oh Christ, please no, that's not. Don't let Rangers take him." You know, everyone was going up up in arms about it. And all of a sudden, he's had a couple of well, a couple of bad games. But let's not forget again off the back of an injury. We, we've spoke yep. to Tyrese before, and Tyrese said, you know, it takes time to come back from an injury. So Josh has come back, played very little football, and we're holding it to the same standards as previous. That sounds bloody harsh to me. I know, I mean, he, he's not in the conversation at the minute because he's out and he's going to be out for the foreseeable future, but that also, like, Lewis Baker. Lewis Baker was brought into this football club Absolutely ripped it up for what eight nine months, the six months, three, the five six months at the end of the season they signed and the beginning of the following season. Because let's remember, he wasn't terrible for the whole of last season. He he started really well. I mean, he, he was he must have got half a dozen goals then. He'd been the first like two two and a half months. Yeah, and then his forms dropped off. So it was a slight change of position. It was a change of manager. It's his form, his role maybe changed, and people are saying, oh, he looked disinterested, he wasn't putting the effort in, he wasn't doing this, he wasn't doing that. He comes out this summer, he's had a long-standing knee injury that he's been trying to manage for a long time, and now he needs an operation on it. So you don't, we don't always know what's going on. And you know, I'm sure that some people will take that into consideration now and say, oh, actually, yeah, maybe we've been a bit harsh on him then if he's been carrying an injury. We didn't know that. That would explain why his form's changed. But the football fans are, are also, there's a lot of people out there who will, who will just dismiss the fact he's had this injury and it's like, no, he's crap. Well, Baker, well, he's going to be out for a couple of months, isn't he? Um, but by the looks of this. So realistically, we're not going to go and see Baker out back until, I mean, fit Baker as well, October-ish, something like yeah, that. Possibly November. Um, possibly November. And by then... You know, we're a few months into the season. If this midfield is is doing really well, you know, we've obviously we've got Johnson, we've got Moran who's potentially coming in. You know, we've got a, a good solid midfield in theory. You know, Ben Pearson I can, I can go on. Um, he, he's going to find it really hard to settle in. And also, where does a Lewis Baker then fit into that formation that Alex Neil wants to play? He may not fit in at all, and it may be a case of he just sits on a bench and eventually in January we sell him because he's an asset we can get some money for. So um, who knows? It's all, this is all crystal ball gazing right now, but yeah. But then again, if he has been carrying an injury and that's not allowed him to play alongside Josh Loren in this all encompassing, you know, up and at him, getting people's faces because his mobility is taken a little bit. And then 
and he had to drop a bit deeper and play a different role that he wasn't as suited to. If his knee does clear up, he gets fit. Maybe maybe he's the perfect man to go and play with Lorraine. I mean, we saw at the start of last season. I remember them games. I think it was Blackpool, the first home game last season. Him and Lorraine didn't even have a third midfielder, I think. There was only two of them. And they, they dominated that game and they were pressing, they were hunting, they were going... They were doing it together as well. Like, you know, the, the Blackpool midfield, the one who'd turn away from one, the other one would be there. And, you know, they played so well and linked up so well together. If they, if Baker can get fit and be mobile, then for me, I definitely think he can still play that role in a way where Will Smallbone was playing, where you're probably going to be expecting Daniel Johnson to be playing. It's a squad game, isn't it? I mean, Alex Nell keeps banging on about being a squad game. And if you look at that bench and what options we would have coming off the bench, there isn't much quality there. Let's let's be honest. It's a bunch of under-21 players who, I again, we've said on previous matches that we wouldn't have hardly any of them anywhere near the team right now. So um, I'd much rather have a, a Lewis Baker coming on and, you know, giving the other players around them a bit of something to think about, you know, and keep their levels high. Um yeah. But I'm conscious we... in this in this league, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, many, many weeks throughout the season, you need midfielders more than anything because of the energy and the and the running that they do. You're gonna need, you know, where you can drop somebody out for a game, bring some fresh legs in. Well, Christmas, how many games have we got? Seven? Seven games in December? Yeah. I mean that's you, you ain't you ain't getting a solid team without any changes for Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, all all over that month. No chance. Um, so yeah, we're we're gonna need to use that squad. Um, but I'm conscious we've kind of gone off a bit of a tangent there. But <laughs> did you manage to see much of the Derby game, Dan? Or um, no, I was working unfortunately, um, so I didn't manage to see much of it. Like I say, same as you, what read you know, read a lot of reports and stuff and. Um, tried to pick up as much as I can, seeing the goals. Um, <laughs> Jack Bonham doing his balls on <laughs> past him, I'll dive now routine. He's <laughs> quite good at. Um, well, he won't be doing that for much longer. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that was what was one trip to the East Midlands that wasn't very pleasant. And then um, we picked up some silverware on our second trip to to Derbyshire we to go and play Burton. Um Nice 1-0 victory on Tuesday. What do you, I mean, what, what do you think about this one? I mean, Chikina, mm-hmm. pacey, decent delivery, not scared yeah. to run at a man, take him on. I mean, and it, 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 people say it's only Burton, but let's be fair to the lad. He's just been out for 12 months of an ACL. I think that's probably the first game of football he's properly played <laughs> in 12 months. He, yeah. He looked, he looked tasty. Yeah, exactly that. Bass Charity Vars winners, you'll never sing that. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it, it was a really, really good performance um, across the board. I mean, we'll we'll pick out a few players, but just as a bit of a, a summary, we absolutely controlled that game. Burton didn't have a shot on target, unless you want to count that. I don't even. I wouldn't even call it a, a header on target. It was me, me and you could have been in goal and caught the ball. That it wasn't difficult. Um, we completely, de- you know, defended. If we start from the defence and work away forward, right? Uh, Rose really well with with Wilmot. Ben Wilmot was pinging balls left, right, and centre 
on the head and on the chest of Tyrese and other players um, perfectly. Ben Wilmot is back to being Ben Wilmot, which is a great sign for us because we need that quality. Uh, Rose, again, good, solid player. Uh, funny enough, the one thing that came through my mind when I was watching him run, and this is just his style of running, um, Kevin Vimmer <laughs> came to mind. And I was like, oh my God, you run just like Kevin Vimmer. Please don't be as shit as him. Um, and yeah, luckily uh, he, he he isn't. He looked pretty good. Um, Henry, wow, the the difference in quality. We 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 talked about Tom Edwards the other week, and you know how he probably just isn't up to the standard right now. Um, this is just like going from National League to Premier League level of quality. Some of the balls he was playing through, Dan, uh, you know, through balls. Um, it, he didn't put a foot wrong. So solid in defence. You can tell the rest of the defence trust him. He gets forward. I know we don't play the attacking wing-back formation, but he's almost playing a, an attacking wing-back as well. Um, and then Josh Tymon, probably his best game um, of of the season so far. And we haven't had many, but still really solid. Again, similar to Henry, he was pushing forward. Are we in a situation now where even you know the likes of of Hoover being fit is that going to maybe push on Josh Time and is that something that again he can learn from Henry but on the other side of the pitch maybe um, and I'll take a pause there but uh, yeah I, again if we're talking about defence really solid me and you could have been in goal so I'm not going to comment on chat on him. Um, yeah, I mean right about that you said Henry. I mean we know how how good a player um, Kiara Hoover is. Obviously, Luis Bakari came on for him, didn't he, with about an hour gone. Mm-hmm. And then with five minutes left, Tom Edwards came on for Luis Bakari. Yeah. Now, the thing is that Luis Bakari picked up a bit of a knock as a precaution. There was no point you know, risking him. Last a hard tackle. Really, Very hard um, tackle yeah. it was. Yeah. So off he came. Tom Edwards comes on. And and then apparently at the final whistle, you know, um, people who were there said that he's... They've gone in, you've had the trophy all gone in. Alex Neal and Ricky Martin pulled Tom Edwards to one side and had a good lengthy chat with him before you know, with the rest of the squad in the changing room. So could that there be the end? I mean, to, to the fact that Lewis McCarry has got minutes before him, mm. Keon Hoover has nailed that place down, let's be honest. We've got um or Tilcon transfer, possible transfers, but we've got junior uh, Chamadeo possibly coming in as well. Yeah. So, is could that place literally have been Tom? You know, we're, we're going to try to find you somewhere else. I mean, that to be that ruthless straight after a game. <laughs> Maybe know? they just had another or loan offer from Barnsley. Or something we know like that. that Alex Neal, Ricky Martin, they've been ruthless from the you know from the beginning of May when the season last season ended. They've been ruthless right the way through, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, they have. And like I say, need, needs bust. We can't be having any passengers. I think we, we've we've already discussed that last week. That those days are over. Like we need a team and a team of battlers. And it, it's a shame. I really wanted Tom to come back and have a great preseason and give us something to think about. I do think he's got a lot of qualities, but he's just not up to the standard. He's certainly not a Henry level. Um, and let's face it, not many right backs in this division are going to be of his level either. So it's not it's not to diss Edwards too much. But um, yeah, Henry, honestly though, Dan, if, if you could have seen it, um, like 
absolutely unbreakable. The guy, I, I love him. He's absolutely brilliant. Um, but yeah, moving to the midfield, like you said, I mean, we, we look at, uh, you know, Chico, as he's going to be called now. So Chico uh, did, yeah, really well, silky player, a couple of backflips and stuff like that. Uh, not backflips. <laughs> back- <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, a couple of uh, tricks and and whatnot, you know, uh, back heels and, and all this business got the fans, you know, roaring, etc. Like, he's just... He was brilliant. His delivery, he was taking the set pieces. So, you know, he was he was delivering while Rose absolutely got a, a free kick right on his head, just slightly put it past the post. Um, absolutely nailed on. And then, you know, again, I think he's had one training session, Alex Neil said. So, again, he's not going to have learned too much from that. Um, and then, obviously, Andre was uh, kind of came in. And, you know, he you can actually tell that he didn't really know where to go in a way um he he was sticking to to one side he got a couple of instructions during the game but um, again pace both of them absolutely reek of pace and in this division you know we talk about Demarjo right phillips you know he wasn't the best player in the world but his pace would cause problems these guys are going to cause a hell of a lot of problems you know early days it might be a bit of a slog might be a bit difficult so don't expect them to to be tearing Rotherham a new one uh, next week. But we're in for some excitement at the very least, I think, with these lads. Yeah, I think that's what we want. That's all we ask for, I think, at the minute. After yeah. the last five, six years, that's all we can ask for, to be excited. Um, the midfield, though, I mean, we've just been talking about Lewis Baker, haven't we? Uh, probably a bit more than we needed to. <laughs> uh, for me, Ben Pearson dictated the play in that game. He and did, And Josh yeah. Loren... And Josh Onomar provided the energy. Mm. Um, yeah, trialist. Obviously, we all knew who he was because <laughs> he knew he's been training with us. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, I think he, he did enough there to say, yeah, give him, give him a deal. Yeah, again, I want to see how he gets on against Everton. Um, I think we probably just want to see a little bit more from him Um over this one, I mean, Everton's a bit harsh to really completely judge him off that. But if he has a good game against them, why not? Again, if we're thinking about squad players and in squad depth, um, he handled himself really well. He didn't drop out of any tackles. There was a moment, I think it was in the first half, uh, where it, there's been a 50-50 tackle um, in the in the midfield. He's slid in, managed to pu- push the ball off to uh, uh, well. Push the ball off to the wing, and we should have scored from from that. You know, he's not afraid to get stuck in, and he wanted the ball. He was screaming for the ball so many times. Um, so yeah, the whole trialist commentary was ugh, laughable. I don't know why they had to just say trialist. Everybody knew who the heck it was. Um, so I'm not going to judge him and say, yeah, let's sign him up off the basis of what 45 minutes. Um, but you can't really ask for too much more out of that game. I think so. No arguments here on that one. Yeah, I think as well, I mean, 45 minutes, the opening 45 minutes, we, we could have been 5 or 6 nil. Let's be honest, could have been, Easily. like I say, half a dozen. Does that still prove that we do need a forward? Or well, could, I mean, he had, he had a really poor season last season, but now he's had a full pre-season and he's had games to get back into it. Could it possibly be that Dwight Gale would thrive on these chances that are now being created and these pacey wingers flinging balls into the box and zipping balls, you know, six across the six yard box. 
Oh, does he stand mate, a better chance than Jacob Brown of, of scoring if, goals? Honestly, no. I don't think he's got a better chance than than Jacob Brown. And I thought you were actually going to lead up, lead with Jacob Brown there. If I'm honest with you, mate. Um, but no, Dwight Gale. Look, he's a he's a good goal poacher. But I think the way that we're going to have to play is we're going to have to play with a, a front a front three or pacey. Gale is hasn't got the pace, but he's got the the, the know how. I, I still think the way that we're going to play, we're going to have to rely on pace and someone who can finish hot. You know, it's hard. It's easier said than done. Um, but I also don't quite think Jacob Brown's up to it either. Uh, and I do like Jacob. You know, he's had a couple of indifferent seasons. Yeah, I think he's got scored 14 or 15, I think. Um, it's 14, I think it might have been, um, in, in the previous years. So it, we know he can finish, but uh, the other night, he, he, I don't know if it was confidence or what, but the amount of times he gets into a dangerous position and he's just slow to react or he doesn't choose the right ball. Uh, there was a couple of, there was one that I think um, was played across uh, from, from Chico, if I remember rightly, uh, played across to him. Actually, no, it wasn't. It was uh, uh, obviously uh, Andre actually. So he, he he's played it across the pitch and Brown just needs to get connection on it and completely miss times. He's, you know, he's shot things like that. I know it's pre-season, but he should be making contact. So I don't think Jacob's up to it. Tyrese, we know a good Tyrese. We don't need to cover him again. Um, like, So the answer to your question in a very, very long way, Dan, is no, Dwight Gale's not quick enough. Jacob Brown is quick enough, but he's not good enough as a finisher, unfortunately. Okay. So um, one thing, last thing we'll touch on this is um, you know, you've You've been quite open in saying that a lot of the younger players that we've got in the squad, the academy sort of graduates that are going into the under-21s and that, that have been around the first team, have not been strong enough, have not shown enough uh, to say that they're ready yet. Yet, being the operative word, there are a lot of them really young here. They've got some that's 16, 17, plenty of time to develop. Um, now... Obviously, Emery Tesgall's out for four weeks. We serve four to six weeks with a uh, a muscle tear. Nathan Lowe sort of made his sort of big comeback yesterday mm-hmm. in that game at Burton. And actually, I mean, he only played the last few minutes, but he looked lively. He got stuck in. Again, physically, as we've seen with his other little cameo appearances, he doesn't look overawed and and like a mouse in a, in a field of, of, uh, of, of um, giants, if you like. He, he, he does sort of hold his own, doesn't he? Yeah, phys- physicality, I think, is 100% there. Um, whether we can mould him into a target man, if that's what we're looking for, and we want a young protege, if you like, you know, if we go and get a target man for the first team, uh, maybe that's someone we can we can mould. But uh, yeah, he didn't look out of, out of place. He didn't have hardly any opportunities. He had the one towards the end of the game where he's made the keeper make a save from a tight angle. So all credit to him there. Um, but I would have liked to see him get a little bit more time if I'm honest with you, just so I could actually judge him a little bit more. I expect he's going to get some time against Everton. So um would you loan him out? Would you keep him? So it's interesting that obviously Burton and that, and you know, does is he League One ready? Is he League Two ready? He's seventeen. Would you just send him out? How far down the pyramid do you want to go? Basically, with somebody who's you know like Tesco, so highly rated and 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 obviously got 
a lot of tolerability. So I think I'd be tempted for a short-term loan to say League Two and re-review in January. Um, is is you know has he gone and scored eight goals? You know by by January. Um, if the answer is yes, then okay, maybe that's too simple for him. Let's move him up then. So play, yeah, be a bit cautious. League two to begin with, um, you know, it's going to be a bit more physical. So I think he'll have that covered. Um, I mean, we've, we've got good ties with Walsall. Maybe a, you know, Walsall's a, a potential uh, zone for him as well. The, the, again, I I don't think when, he get, when Alex gets these couple of strikers in, he's not going to get game time. It's not imperative that he goes out and is playing first-team football week in, week out, because the lad's 17 years old, isn't it? But if he can steal a march and get some experience at this age, I would be very sceptical of sending him any lower than the League Two. I don't think he'd benefit from him, or Emery would benefit from time in the National League. Uh, I think that's too low a standard. I think it can have a detrimental effect um, if you go too low down with players who are obviously highly talented um, at the beginning. So, yeah, I, I would be happy, same as you, send him out to League Two, review it in January, either move him to another League Two club if he's not getting game time or, you know, maybe progress him into a League One side if he is, if he's just really ripping it up. The other young lad I wanted to mention um, is Sol Sadibi. So, like I say, 16. He's had a lot of game, a lot of attention in pre-season, a lot of minutes. Um, not a lot in comparison to what you probably would have expected him to have. He's had a lot of minutes. He's been involved in near enough every game and he has also signed his first professional contract now, hasn't he? It's, like I say, still 16 years old. So he's another one. I mean, we've mentioned, you know, Jack Griffiths, Emery Tezgal, Nathan Lowe, Tommy Simkin, all getting them in and around their 17th birthdays, at the, at, well, on the 17th birthday, the latest. He's now another one, and I think to have five in that sort of under 18, under 21 setup already, who are you know 16, 17 years old and getting pro deals, that's some achievement. Yeah, it, it is, and I know there was in the youth ranks he's been raved about, and as you said, he's so so young. Uh, I mean, if you think back to when you were 16, it was a long, long time ago, Dan. But you know, it, you know, he's you're very immature. You're still. You're still bulking yourself out. I mean, I know he's got access to a gym and all that, and he's luckily, you know, he's got his his dad who knows all about being a professional footballer at the highest level, and you know, he's got a, some some fantastic guidance there. I I want to try and treat him without the name, if I'm honest. Um, I think obviously we all know Mama. We all loved a bit of Mama, even though he was not the greatest striker in the world. He would run his backside off and he would wear the you know the shirt with pride hopefully his son takes the the same mantra as that but uh he he was he, again he he was solid he didn't look at a place is probably the best compliment that I can I can pay the lad to be honest Dan he didn't do anything special he just kept things simple and I guess that's what Alex Neils would have said to him you know go out there play your game no stupid um chances I just want to see that you can basically play along the same level as, as the rest of the team. So, yeah, I'm mean, very interested to see how his career develops. Um, I don't think he will be here past pre-season. Yeah, I think he'll be heading back to youth ranks because um, obviously at 16, I don't think he's legally allowed out on loan until he's 17 anyway. And 
Yeah. Again, sometimes at that age, 17, they do wonder whether what is it? Is it more beneficial to keep them in and around this setup? He can be training with our first team, can't he? There's no, you know, there's nothing to say he's not training with the first team and then just playing for the under 21s um, just to keep a development going in that respect. And like I say, there's tons and tons of time. You know, he's got another two years before he's even got to worry about have I, why have I not got near, you know, why have I not got near the team or anything? Even at 18, he, you know, it's not, not the end of the world then, is it? In that like, second couple yeah. of years' time. Um, but yeah, there's massive potential there. He, he's obviously got ability, he's shown that in the various youth teams that he's played play before. And if he can, if he if he's got that ability married up with like say his dad's sort of heart and and desire to to work rate, then he's gonna be one heck of a footballer. Moving on, Everton this weekend. You've mentioned it a few times. Uh, anybody you'd like to see in the team? Um, I mean, players that are actually at the club right now, or players that may be coming in. Yeah, is anyone is anyone you think would like to see him given a few more minutes or an opportunity to try and nail down a place for Rotherham compared um, to the Burton team? So, so we've never seen them play against Burton. Anyone you'd like to see come into that? Any changes? I want to see probably Chico and Vidigal on either wing because I think that's obviously going to be the future. Um, so I'd say that yeah, both Sorry, of them. Jimmy's yeah. No, no, oh, that's because I'm moving Tyrese into the middle, and I appreciate that that's probably not his strength. Now, why? I, I think Vidigal can play in the middle. So, as I'm saying this, I'm also correcting myself and saying, actually, let's get Vidigal in the middle and put Tyrese where he's strong on the wing. So, I'm going to correct myself as I'm saying that. Um, but I guess the good thing is they can all play on probably both sides and through the middle and everything. So, we're going to keep straight, you know, the, the, the actual defense. Uh, opposition defence, you know, very, very busy this this year, which is great. We haven't had those options before. So um, that is the only change I'd make, Dan, because I don't want us switching and changing teams. Now, against Everton, he needs to play his strongest if we can. I know we've got some players coming in, but we need to play the strongest team we can for as long as we can against Everton. If that means 70, 80, 90 minutes for a lot of them players... It has to be done because Everton's the last chance to get some good long 90 minutes into these legs. So I don't think we'll get much benefit by just playing people for 60 minutes and bringing them off. So 90 minutes, same team versus Burton, except for some obvious additions that seem to be coming. And they've got a whole week then to recover. Exactly, exactly that. And maybe, I don't know if they're going to have some behind closed doors youth game maybe. I mean, they, they, I think they've done that previously, haven't they? Like the under twenty ones. Yeah, there'll probably be something like that where they just keep them ticking over through the week. Um, do you think? I wonder whether that front three you mentioned. I don't even think you have to nail them down with with a position. I think the key and, and the real danger for the opposition is just to let the three of them, just say to the three of them, one you, know, one of his on the right, one of his on the left, one of his in the middle. But you, how you are and where you are on the pitch at any single time, you just work out between the three of you. you just keep moving around. And I think gotcha. as, imagine as a defence, you've got three players who are two-footed, can play, can play anywhere. They can cut inside, they can go on the outside, they can play through the middle. You, they, you, they can whip crosses in, have shots. It's, you imagine trying to defend against that. You've got three 
quick, fast players all consistently moving, moving around. Oh, I need to uh, to get a tissue. I'm, I'm drooling before you start wondering why, why I need a tissue, Daniel. You disgraceful young man. Um, but yeah, that sounds um, extremely good to me. A hundred thousand percent. Like, how many teams are going to have that flexibility in their front three? Like you just said, not many at all. So yeah, bring it on. If if these if these new two Portuguese players, if they're going to be as good as we hope they're going to be. Good luck to Rotherham next weekend and good luck to the rest of the league because they're going to need it. Well, hopefully if we have 29 shots against Rotherham next week like we did last year, we managed <laughs> to put them all in the net once. Oh, well, uh, yeah, at least once. Wouldn't it be nice just to get off to a start, like a 5-0 win to kickstart the season? <laughs> Could you imagine the expectation? We'll be top of the league. Stoke fans singing we are top of the league already. Um, that I'd love that. Let's just get off to a... I just want to go off to a flyer. I'm sick of fans being moody, and we've we've had a bad crap, well, crap five years. Let's um, let's try and start this one on, in a good way, shall we? I know. Is it, does it feel weird that next week we're recording our the actual preview podcast for the first game of the season? You know what? Yeah, um, it does feel weird. I don't feel like we've had much time off. Probably because the answer is we haven't had much time off. I mean, <laughs> we, we've. As always, you know, we've we've done podcasts every single week and we've actually increased the amount of podcasts with the Twitter spaces and stuff that we've been doing. So, uh, yeah, it, we haven't really had a break, have we? <laughs> I think about it. We, did, we didn't need one. We kept going. No, nah, we, we, don't, we don't let you down in it anyway. <laughs> um, what, what relevance would you put on the result anyway? Is it, are you looking for a performance against Everton? Is it the results you'd be looking for? Um is it just getting eleven players through ninety minutes? What's like? What's the important thing for you? Do, do you care whether we win, lose, or draw? I'd almost say all of the above, bar the result. I don't really care too much about the result. Fitness, hundred percent. Some continuity in the team that we put out is so important. Um, there's going to be so many new faces, so I want to see that. Um, yeah, fitness. It, it, all of the above, except I'm not really bothered about the result. I think it would be nice to maybe come away with. I, 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 in my head, I know we're not doing predictions because we're not on the original podcast yet, but um, I'm, my head's saying one-one um, and a decent performance. Let's face it, this is Everton. You know, they are going to put some, you know, first teamers out there which are too good for the championship level. So. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm very intrigued to see how many fans turn up as well. Uh, I've got some bad news for you, by the way. Just going oh, back to the game. Uh, they are the bookies' favourites for relegation. So you know what that means? Charity. The charity will be in order. First game. <laughs> Give you three points. You'll need them later in the season. Keep them safe. <laughs> yeah, I think we've we've spoken enough about matches yet. We've got an absolute plethora of of players who we've linked and also we've actually signed four players since we last did the podcast. So. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Bayram. It's all gone very quiet on him, hasn't it? Um, Galatasaray had him as an unused substitute for their Champions League qualifying. Uh, 2-2 draw away at Zalgaris this week. Uh, I think they're just playing hardball, aren't they, probably? You know these um, Turkish clubs can be like? They, they like to charge you the earth when you want... Um, when you want to buy one of the players and then they try and pay you peanuts to take one off. Um, so they're probably trying to say, Luke Stoke, we don't want to get rid of him. We're quite happy to keep him here. We'll put him in our Champions League. On these on the bench, they don't actually put him on the pitch. They don't want to go that far. But it's like, oh well, you know, we we've got no no massive rush to sell him. If you won't want if you're not going to willing to pay what we're asking, then we'll just keep him here. Well with with that one though, if I remember rightly, and then, okay, as you say, it's gone quiet. So I'm trying to go back to old memories, but um, I swear they were asking. It was it was a loan with a view to permanent, but as a permanent deal, they wanted up to eight million euros. I mean, there's not many defenders who go for eight million euros at all in this division. So, I mean, that's a lot of outlay for the club, and maybe, just maybe, Dan, they're thinking right. We can pay that because we can sign him on a five-year deal and we FFP, we can spread it. Um, but maybe they think, well, OK, let's just have a look what's out there. Let's hold fire just another few days or maybe a week and see what Premier League teams start sorting their own squads out and what players become available. Maybe there's a better or maybe not necessarily a better, but maybe there's a, a more economical defender or two out there that we can get in from the Premier League. Yeah, because I think we're probably going to be looking for more than one centre-back as well, aren't we? Um, At least two. I mean, I'll be honest with you, Dan. Connor Taylor, he's not inspired anything of me this pre-season, I'm sorry to say. So I don't feel comfortable having Connor Taylor as one of the two centre-backs. Obviously, Rose looks like he could be, but people are talking about Rose being a backup. So all of a sudden, if you want to assume that both of these lads are potential backups, we need at least another two centre-backs for me and first-team centre-backs. Um, so, well, yeah. I think you're, you're looking probably Ben Wilmot's, he's got his place, it's who plays with him, isn't it? I think yeah. Alex Neal's proven now he's going to be playing 4-3-3. We've played 4-3-3 the entire pre-season, haven't we? So, he ain't going to change that now. I think you've got, we were linked with a um, young Chelsea defender we with the other day, Bashir Humphreys. 20 years old, uh, he was on at Paderborn in Germany last season, just spent six months on loan there. So he's not going to be massively raw because, you know, he's had a, he's already had a loan spell and played games in the Bundesliga. So, and apparently, he's, you know, he's out on loan again, the Stoker sort of, you know, leading the race for him. So if they get him in, I, I think he's probably going to be first reserve. He can be the replacement for Connor Taylor, for example. I think yeah. we've already got Rose in to replace Morgan Fox. So there, to me, is two upgrades already. And the next player is going to be replacing Phil Jagielka. And if that is Bayram, 
those are three solid upgrades on what we had here last season. What would you do if you were thinking about Bayram, Dan? I mean, would would you hold I, off I, a little bit longer? Yeah, I, I think that they have not haggled and been as tight, not tight as in like, uh, as in they haven't bowed to to pressure from uh, from clubs and players and agents, whatever, so far, have they? Deals have maybe taken a little longer because Stoke have stuck to the guns as to what they're willing to pay because they know they've got a budget and they know they need to stretch it and make as much as they can. They haven't done that with all these seven signs they've got so far and probably two or three that we don't even know that they've probably missed out on because they weren't willing to budge to then go, oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, give him whatever money he wants and we'll pay €9 million Euros next summer, no problem. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't work like that, does it? <laughs> no, no. If if it was a Premier League, if we we're a Premier League club, we'd probably just do it because nine million would be very little well, risk. I think that was the thing as well. I think it was a million. It was a million now for loan fee, and again, you know, that would probably make him the second most expensive person we've signed this summer, and that's just his loan fee. There's only Ben Pearson who we've paid more for, isn't there? So wages as well. Yeah, so then you've got his wages. And and then I think what it was is if we got promoted, then we had the obligation to buy him for a further eight or nine million euros. Yeah, so, it's, a, it's a gamble. He's not, he's not exactly proven in the championship. I know he's with Galatasaray. I get that. But still, we've had a lot of foreign players, not just for us, but other clubs who come in and, and don't perform because they just can't settle into the way that we play. So yeah, I'm I'm not so, overly concerned as long as we've got other options. Yeah, I th- I think they would hold fire. I think they are trying to call Galatasaray's bluff in that as the window gets further and further on, um, and Stoke can say, well, either you accept what we're offering or we are going to look elsewhere because the season's starting now or the window closes in two days, depending on whatever it is that they go to them that Galatasaray will eventually bow to when they realise that Stoke aren't going to pay, you know, the excessive amounts or whatever, that they will, you know, that they will um, just, like I say, fall into line with what Stoke are offering. Uh, but he's not the only player. Like I say, there's quite a few. So the other, the other defender we've been linked with quite heavily, uh, Junior Chamadeo uh, from Colchester. Uh, so he's rumoured to have had his medical already. He put in a transfer request at Colchester last weekend, didn't play in there friendly. And then there was been reports on there in the media that he's, you know, Stoke were already heavily linked with him. Uh, we've had a fee agreed, terms and that, and obviously he's medical. So um, he, it seems like that one could be, I mean, it could even be done by the time this podcast is released. <laughs> uh, one thing I will say, though, be careful, Stoke. Make sure you get him on a good deal because if he's willing to uh, willing to throw in a transfer request at the club who gave him his debut and and have nurtured him into this football, then he won't think twice about doing it at Stoke if he thinks there's interest from, say, Premier League clubs in 12, 18 months' time. Make sure you've well, got yourselves covered. Well, possibly, but you can say that about Alex Neal, who ditched Sunderland. Um, as well, yeah. and I think we've talked about it before. I think loyalty is rare <laughs> in that point, it mildly. So, I know what you're saying. Um, I think we definitely need a backup. We've already, we've already talked about why. Um, so yeah, I've seen from what I've seen of him, and like everybody else, 
anyone, if they really were honest, I've seen YouTube clips. How many people who are Stoke fans have watched him at Colchester and, and gone, oh, yeah, I know all about him? All I can say is that he seems to be two-footed. He scores a couple of goals, and they typically are screamers when they go in, which is a nice thing. Um, a bit like Henry, he seems to score a few uh, screamers. And we need a backup. And it's not going to be an expensive one. I think I've seen the fee of, was it one million that we want to offer? I think they want more. So we'll probably end up giving them one million and then and some other things to add into it, I suppose. But yeah, no no arguments here. Um, we'll see where it goes. Another player who we've been linked with and it would be, you know, this would be an amazing signing really and would fit right in with the young, vibrant sort of players that we, we are, we, we've brought in already is Cameron Archer. Now, if Villa... I mean, we, we report that £9 million bid's gone in. Maybe that's where the Bayram money's gone. <laughs> um, £9 million. I mean, yes, we, uh, we aren't spending £9 million quid on him, mate. I mean, he, he would... He's a player whose value's only going to go one way, I think, in his career. I think he's he's got that much potential, hasn't he, that he he's, you know, could be a real superstar in a couple of years' time. Bloom, if you believe the newspapers, we've stuck a bit in for £9 million. I do find that would be the majority, if not all, of our of our budget. Um, if he's available, he's going to have plenty of offers because he's he absolutely tore his foot from Middlesbrough. Yeah, he's only under twenty one international, and you know he's a star for them. Villa, is it just that they want maybe they want the money? Maybe that's the offer because I can't understand why they'd sell him at this point. Do you know what I mean? With the, the potential he's got. Could, the other thing I think is, do they want that nine million quid to reinvest in a couple of other players? But obviously, but, they can. That becomes, you know, if they use the nine million from the sale, is a complete sale because he's an academy player. Get a decent sell-on fee for him as well, twenty percent or whatever, twenty-five percent. If they then that nine million, they can spend this year, can't they? But if he gives someone a five-year contract, spend that nine million, then all they've got to do is, you know, forty-five million quid they can buy somebody for. Yeah, well, I mean, don't worry. I would, I would hundred percent not turn the lad down. I mean, we've we've all seen what what he can do, and again, the clubs are sniffing around him. It shows that he's, he's you know, he's, he's capable. Um, I'd, it'd be interesting to see where we would be in the pecking order uh, of those teams. I mean, if you go off. Our last five years, you wouldn't expect us to be near near the top of that. Let's be honest. Uh, you know, we we've been a lower mid table. Well, mid table is probably a bit of a stretch. Uh, you know, a lower end of the table team. Unfortunately, for the last five years, you know, the, those other teams have flirted with the the playoffs. So they will be able to pay probably the same type of wages as us. You would probably argue. Well, like I say, I definitely wouldn't turn him down. No, uh, I would be. I think I'd be quite happy. I'm not happy, but I'd, if they were going to spend all the majority of the budget on one player, I think he is the perfect kind of player to do it. Because if even if he has a bad couple of seasons and doesn't, I think they'll still sell him for you know a large chunk of that nine million quid. They'll be able to recoup in two years' time, even if he's been a bit of a dud for us. Because he'll still be young, and people will still you know think of the player he could be. Um, well, what were you saying, Dan, the other day about the last time we had a 15-plus goal scorer? Are we oh, going yeah. back to Peter Thorne? Yeah, 
22 years. <laughs> it's just laughable. So all the strikers we've had, and I'd love to see a list of them. I mean, Chupa Moting, for one, seems that he's got the best agent in the world. Like He couldn't get anywhere near that. Um, I think Mandiuf was probably the one who got closest. I swear and he Jacob got another Brown. 14. And Jacob Brown. Jacob Brown's the 13, I think. 13, 14, he was the one closest. And then before yeah. that, Johnny Walters must be pretty high up on the list. But uh, you know, we seem to destroy also, strikers. I think Johnny Walters and Peter Crouch, I think the most Crouch he got was 12. Mm. Um, but yeah, the last, the other ones who got 15 in the last 21, last 22 years, the only players who got 15 was Ricardo Fuller and Liam Lawrence in the season that we got promoted. Yeah. Yeah, which is not bad from Lawrence, is it? For, for a right winger. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I, again, let, let's see where that one goes. I am holding out... Uh, let's just, if we're going to want to rate it up 100%, what I think it'll be, I think there's a 10% chance of that happening. So you say there's a chance? <laughs> uh, yeah, but it, it is it is late, so maybe I'm, I'm a bit delirious, but I'll, I'll, go, I'll go with 10%. Um, yeah, and then there's two who are probably more 10% chance it doesn't happen, and that's Mark Travers. Um, obviously, Bournemouth have now signed a goalkeeper from Inter Milan. And that's now given the green light for Travers to leave, which is what we were waiting on. We've beaten Millwall to his signature, it appears. Um, widespread reports of he's also had a medical, and we're just awaiting the announcements. So we are now Wednesday evening. Uh, what are the chances of this being announced before uh, this pod is released on Friday morning? Well, I'm going to pretend I've just jumped in my time machine. Welcome to the club. Mark Travers, uh, I think you're a great <laughs> signing. It's a shame that you've come in on a loan instead of a permanent deal, but uh, we both know that that's down to um, Bournemouth's inability to close a permanent deal rather than us choosing not to. So, um, yeah, mate, tw- 24 years old. He's got an interesting career. He's, again, when, when I look back, I was looking at it earlier, I think like before Bournemouth it was Shamrock Rovers and then three other teams you'd never even heard of. But, you know, he's still managed to put in 61 appearances uh, for Bournemouth. Unfortunately, he hasn't scored any goals, Dan. So um, he's not going to be playing up front for us. But uh, everything no, with, you know... <laughs> yeah, he's no Begovic, is he? Um, but, you know, he's played from Republic of Ireland from the under to under 15s all the way up to, well, Republic of Ireland, you know, 2019 to now by the looks of it. So, um, again, there was a lot of people raving about him. He was influential for Bournemouth uh, when, when obviously they were going up. So for me, he's an upgrade. We've talked about the shocking goalkeepers we've had at this club in recent years. Um, and also a phantom one that doesn't actually exist. So it's great to see Mark Travers at the club. He, he's got no competition. If he stays fit and doesn't make a string of clangers, which I don't think he will, then he will definitely be number one all season. Jack Bonham will have to fight it out for number two um, and probably for cup games, and that is about it. So very happy indeed, Dan. Yeah, I think Travers, he's, I like that we've signed some players who've been promoted previously. Um, we're going to talk about another one in a minute, actually. But yeah, we've got, like I say, we're buying players who are either got experience at this level so they know what it's about, or they've you know they've been in the playoffs, or they've been promoted before. And Travers is that Travers was a key man when Bournemouth went up. Um, there was him and Lee Nichols, weren't there at Huddersfield, who were actually sort of near enough neck and neck for you know, goalkeeper of the season um, a couple of years ago. 
and he had something ridiculous like you know over twenty clean sheets, uh, I believe, in, in the season. You know that doesn't come without being a top quality goalkeeper. It doesn't matter what your defence is or what team you play for. You know you have to be a top goalkeeper to those to get those kind of stats. Yeah, you do. You do have to be good. And I know he's he's been working obviously with Asmir Begovic as well um, at, at Bournemouth. Obviously before before they let him go um, as well. If I remember rightly, I swear. I swear they, they worked together for a, a short period of time. I could be wrong on that one. I'm trying to get my dates right. But um, e- either way, you know, he's got some Premier League experience. He's got tons of championship experience. There can't be many goalkeepers in the championship that have got you know, that record that you've just outlined there. So, yeah, f- for me, Dan, it's an absolute no-brainer. I think it is very much the case that it will, we will sign him permanently. Um, and if we're listening to this now and we've signed him permanently already or the deal's dropped out, then you can just pretend that this conversation never happened. <laughs> um, last player, I did mention you know, somebody else has been promoted, uh, Josh Onomar. Um, so yep. obviously he has um, played at Burton, did very well. Uh, obviously he played with Johnson, uh, Daniel Johnson at Preston last season. So, you know, if we was to sign, those two have already got a bit of chemistry and, you know, know-how about that there. Um, he can play, he's 26 years old, you know, he can play as an eight, play as a 10. Um, and also, it's interesting that in the last six years, he's been promoted twice at the Championship and lost a playoff final. The lad, obviously, has got something that, you know, he, he's another one who knows how to get out of this division, how to get into playoffs, deep into the playoffs. And I think he's, you know, he won the title once with Fulham. He's, he's also been promoted via the playoffs, like I say, lost another final. So, yeah. Ex Villa. Yeah. So he's 116, 116 championship games, nine goals, and also played 26 times in the Premier League as well. So. He's, he's not a bad player to have around. 26 as well, he's a you know, great age. Well, I, th- I think it's going to be a, a relatively cheap deal as well. I mean, obviously, there's no transfer fee. Um, there'll be a sign-on fee like every player gets, but I think it's just going to be a really cheap deal. He's clearly come to train with us. So to me, Dan, I'm, I'm not going to be harsh, but that says to me that he has, he has not got many options. So the fact he's willing to sit here and just sit in a, you know, a trial for Stoke City... I think we're obviously his best option. So, and again, I, I, I suppose that could be a little bit harsh. I'm not trying to be harsh. Well, it's interesting but... because he he only spent like it was like six months or nine months at Preston last year. That that's the only time he'd been there. So he actually wouldn't have been unless it's people at Preston have sort of maybe. I tell you what, it could be. It could be the Paul Gallagher effect. Yeah, could be. It, that's probably more likely. Isn't it? Daniel Johnson, Paul Gallagher. Two people he knows. Um, maybe as Alex Neal said, you know, what do you think of this lad? And he's going, yeah, he's pretty good. Okay, Alex Neal, bring him in. Let's have a look at him. There might be some fruit to be on trial, and for him to happily be on trial, despite obviously having a you know great calibre as a as a championship player. Maybe there's something there. Maybe there's an injury there or something, and Stoke maybe want to have a, a look at him. Obviously, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just sort of guessing here. But for them to be, for him to be happy to be on trial, and not be like you, cheeky so and so's. You know, have I not done enough <laughs> to, for you? To, you know, why do I need to prove myself to you? Kind of thing. Um, it's, uh, you know, I would say that it could possibly be that, like I say, there's a little injury or something. And they just want to check that it's nothing too 
too serious because again we've got a budget to work with last thing we want to do is to sign someone who's out for six months three weeks later yeah well let's say cheap deal if we sign him on you won't see many complaints i want to see how he does against everton if he has a decent game there i'd say fully expect it to be announced by the following day yeah, bro. So I'm going to move on now to the four players who we've signed since our last. I mean, we spoke some about, uh, give you some stats uh, stats on all of them as well. And you can briefly or in detail, depends on whether you're 40 fancy, uh, you can tell me what you think. <laughs> so Daniel Johnson, been given a two year deal, signed on a free from Preston off end, reunited with Alex Neal and Ben Pearson. So he's 30 years old now, five foot nine. He's had 312 appearances for Preston, 53 goals, including 292 games and 45 goals in the Championship, where he was at Preston for the last eight seasons. This is interesting now. So during Alex Neal's spell at Preston, his four years there, Daniel Johnson played 142 matches in four years, scoring 27 goals, including the 1920 season when he scored 12 goals in 33 games under Neil. Nice. He also played five and a half years with Ben Pearson at Preston or the championship. Uh, and he also has three goals in 16 Jamaican caps since his debut in November, 2020. Some nice stats. <laughs> um, I, yeah. I, again, we've, we've got rid of Nick Powell. Uh, we're talking about that number 10 position or that attacking midfield position. However, you want to look at it, um, we haven't got an option there. Uh, so we're talking about Anamar. Okay, he can play there. Uh, but Johnson, as you've just said there, you know, he's got a lot of players he's played with before. That's never going to be a bad thing. Uh, he seems to be quite fit. I think one of the reviews of his game before we got uh, the knock was that, well, you know, he, he was doing pretty well um, and bossing it. He, he was one of the highlights. The changed the tempo completely of how we were playing when he came on at half time. Um, against Derby, and whether that was the game was you know Derby were three up and they sort of turned it down a level or whatever, but he got in and he got involved. I know he had a couple of chances, didn't he? Uh, you know, got himself a couple of opportunities, whatever. Um, like I say, the tempo just changed when he came on, and he's Alex Neal. It's really laughed there when you mentioned about his uh, his fitness and stuff, and and Nick name being a, sort of a Nick Powell replacement. Uh, I don't know if it was a dig at Powell, but in his <laughs> comments on Friday before with the Derby game, uh, Alex Neal actually said like he's available every week. He's never injured. He's always fit and ready to go. This lad. And I thought he was quite thinking that he then got a, a knock the day after. Um, but yeah, in the thinking about it, and you just mentioned Powell and Johnson in the same breath, I was like, oh, I wonder if that was a just a little little one in the ribs there from from Alex Neal. Uh, maybe. I mean, I, I don't. He doesn't seem quite to be that vindictive, to be honest. Um, well, if you're just pointing out, yeah. Well, my, my creative midfielder that he was never available last year, whereas this one isn't always available. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe that's all it was. I, d- I don't think he's that vindictive against Powell, unless who knows, unless we had a fallen out before he left or or, or whatnot. But um, let's just forget about Nick Powell, unfortunately. Yeah. So um, Chiquino. So Chiquino. Chico. Uh, it's Chico time, go. Dan. <laughs> so he signed, he signed on a twelve-month loan from Wolves, uh, much to the dismay of the Wolves fans. 
many, many comments I've seen. Um, I was sending you a few of them on to say, oh, he must be good. They, they gutted, he's, he's gone. Best winger they've got and all, all that business. Um, 23 years old, five foot ten, Portuguese under 21 international. Uh, he's got two years left on his Wolves contract, if you're just interested as to what the chances were of bringing him in. Uh, he's played, scored six goals in 43 games for Estoril uh, before moving to Wolves. He's only actually played nine games for Wolves um, before picking up an ACL injury in July last year, and he hasn't played since. So he hasn't got massive experience. You know, He's only played sort of 52 sort of club games in his career. Well, if they're raving about him, having only seen nine games, it shows that he made a good impression with them before he got injured. Um, and like you said, yeah. Dan, like you know, being uh, coming coming towards for for a period of time. Hopefully, he doesn't get recalled in January. Hopefully, that doesn't happen. Um, but yeah, I, I I just think it's again a change in direction for us as a club. Um, and if, if whenever whenever somebody leaves a club, what what is the one thing, Dan, that always happens from the opposition fans? Oh, he's crap. He's crap. Oh, thank God he's gone. You've done us a favour. I can't believe you signed him. What a waste of money. None of that happened this time. So it just shows, like you pointed out, that uh, the fact that nobody wanted him to go, he's at least got something about him. So that will do for me. And from what we saw the other night uh, against Burton, if he can do that for the majority of the season, as I said, we've got a player on our hands. Yeah. Definitely, and he's going to excite us, I think, which is the main, you know, the main one. Um, Andre Vidigal. Now, I don't know if this link has been made, but you're going to hear something in a minute that's quite interesting. Um, signed for an undisclosed fee, which we believe to be five hundred thousand euros, which exchange rates to four hundred and thirty thousand pounds, roughly. Uh, we've signed him on a three-year deal from Maritimo in Portugal. Twenty-four years old, prefers to play on the left wing but can play down the centre, down the right wing. Um, going to wear the number seven shirt, five foot nine. Uh, in his career, he's played 196 games, scored 36 goals. So not a bad strike right there, one every five and a half games. Take that from the wing. Take that from the strikers, to be honest, to this team. <laughs> um, I think he's going to need a bit of time to sell in. He's represented Portugal under 18, under 19, under 21, under 21 um, stage as well. He's won the league with Apoel and Estoril. So that's he won the Cyprus League and he's won the Portuguese second division there with Estoril. And the season he won the league with Estoril, he played the whole season with a certain Chiquino. Uh-huh. I, I haven't seen that link made, but yeah, they played together with Estoril. Uh, when they won the league together. Okay, so they know they know how each other plays as well, which is again, if we're thinking about switching wings and and, and you know again the continuity in the team and the chemistry, um, it's a bit it's a bit difficult to do any better than that. I think. I've... Yeah, and also the mass turnover. The more, like you say, the Johnson and Pearson link, the Chicano and Vidigar, anything that just helps players settle in and and. Increases the chemistry between the between the players and the side when you've had such a massive turnover as we have. It's going to help, isn't it? especially in them early days. Well, maybe they're even sharing a house in the early days. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's played in the top league in Cyprus, Portugal, and Holland as well. 
Um, so he's had quite an eventful career for 24. But you know how much we love audio on this podcast. And you're thinking to yourself, there's no way. There's no way this guy's been signed for Maritimo. How have we got audio on him that tells us about him? Well, we have. And here it is. Firstly, I was alerted about Andrew and began to watch him a couple of games in the last season. So he's predominantly a winger. He started the majority of the games there throughout the season. However, towards the back end of the season, he was tried as more of a central player. It did work really well, and in the long term, I think it's perhaps a position he might take up. But for now, I do expect him to operate as a winger for Stoke. Don't judge him off his first few games, because he will have to adapt to English football, and the defenders who won't give him time, and he will definitely find it harder to isolate defenders. His dribbling confidence and work rate was something that definitely stood out for me. He has all the brilliance to showcase on the ball, but isn't afraid to track back and help the defenders, which to me shows great attitude. He is two-footed, but what you will notice, which can be so effective, is in a split second, he will find time to cut in onto his right foot, and before the defender even has time to read this, he is usually bent a shot across towards a goal, probably one of his most effective traits. His dribbling is so impressive, at times it's almost like the ball sticks to his feet, and he doesn't get disheartened when tackled. He has a confidence he will beat his man every time after that. If this is managed well and he knows when to beat his man and when to retain the ball, it will be another exciting adjustment. As I mentioned above, he's got talent beyond his years, but he will need time to understand the championship and how it's different to Portugal. Something I'm sure Alex Neal will be working on with him, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's easing to the team gradually. Well, so that was brought to you by um, at HCFootball01 on uh, on Twitter. So thank you for that analysis there, mate. You say he seems to have watched quite a bit of him and and uh, does watch you know, the Portuguese league and that. So yeah, I mean, sounds very promising, mate. And uh, like I say, I think he's he's also saying that he needs a bit of time just to settle in. But once we do, if we're patient with him, could be a hell of a player. Yeah, exactly. A bit of patience. Um, see, again, he seems to be able to play in a couple of different positions, which is, uh, as we've said, is is key um, because we're going to get injuries, suspensions, etc. So, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to to seeing where he plays. And one thing that actually came to mind, Dan, um, we we talked about, you know, what was it, four hundred thousand or four hundred fifty thousand? I think the fee was. You said. Um, yeah. Let's not forget that we just got a little unexpected windfall on the Harry Suter deal as well. You know, from his international times, we've got 340 grand from the Harry Suter compensation. So, if you want to think about unexpected money coming in, so he's basically just cost us 100 grand if you take that into account. He cost us watching Harry Suter play at the World Cup. <laughs> yeah. And 100 grand. Yeah. I mean, again, it's, it's almost, it, it's a League One transfer fee. Like it, it's it's nothing at all. So even if it doesn't work out, or even if he's not amazing in you know twelve months time or two years time, whatever it is, it's hardly breaking the bank, and he's not going to have been paid stupid money. Um. So I, again, no risk at all for this mate for this one, mate. I'm just intrigued to see how quickly he does settle in. And I think with both of these Portuguese guys, and to be fair, any of the new guys. Let's not go into Rotherham thinking that we're just going to rip them apart. Um, it, confidence is great, and you know, feeling confident about the club, etc., is is obviously a nice thing to have. But 
I joked earlier about you know turning up five nil. It's not going to happen. Like I'll I'll take a one nil win right now. Like as long yeah, as we get a result, a scrap- I don't care. If we have a scrappy one nil win, let's not be moaning and complaining why why we haven't ripped them apart and all oh, these are, you know players are crap and all that. Bit of patience. It's going to take time to bed in and to. Um, one last player we have signed since our last podcast. It's the return of Key Yarna Hoover. Henry is back. So he's on another 12-month loan from Wolves. Uh, he's still only 21 years old, Mike. Still only 21. Uh, 5'11", can play right back, left back, as we know, and has also in his career played centre-half, although we we did not see that for us, did we? Maybe he can be Ben Wilmot's partner. No, um, no, he'll, he'll, be, he'll be wasted at centre-back. Imagine him and Wilmot carrying the ball out. <laughs> I was going to say, it'll yeah. be uh, Ben Pearson and then nothing behind them, but just straight in uh, on Travers and it'll be sweeper-keeper. It'll be like Fabian Bartes all over again. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the, he's a Holland Youth International at under 15, 16, 17, 18 and 21 uh, level. And in 2019, he won the Euro Under-17s Championships with Holland and was named in the team of the tournament. Um, so obviously he came through the Ajax, it's just prestigious and you know world-round youth, youth system. He came through there before moving to Liverpool, uh, where he made four appearances, scoring one goal, a goal that actually made him their fourth youngest goal scorer of all time. Um, so that's not a bad accolade to have, is it, for for Liverpool, a uh, club of that size. Um, helped, you know, by Mike Lowen's one of the three in front of him. So, you know, that's a, a big, quite a big name, isn't it? Uh, but also Ben Woodburn is another. So that sort of also negates the glory of that stat a bit. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we've got that. Wolves then paid £9 million for him in September 2020, signed a five-year deal, which means he's got two years left on that contract. Uh, he played actually 25 games for them in the in the two seasons, so two Premier League seasons there. He managed 25 appearances uh, before spending the first half of last season on loan at PSV, and then joining Stoke as we know in January for the second half of the season, where he scored four goals in 15 games, which were actually his first league goals of his career. Well, I'm just really hoping that we don't do what happened with Smallbone. And get him ready for when Wolves get relegated. <laughs> well, yeah, because he's going to have what less than two years. So we're either if Wolves stay up and he does well for us, either we'll sign him for maybe three or four million potentially, because FFP wise they won't have to write off so much. Um, so I think we could probably gain for a few million there, or they get relegated and we warm him up ready for them to come and hit us with him next year and I'd rather have him on our side than have him on Wolves' side any day of the week. Definitely. I think great point there. Um, like I say, if he goes back there, both of them, Chiquino and uh, Henry, if they go back to Wolves with 12 months left, I think that probably, if they've had successful times here and we're playing well, I think it makes, it strengthens our hand to get them full-time because the fees won't be massive, will they, with 12 months to go? Um, but then again, if they're not going to get a big fee, Wolves, if they are in the Championship next season, may just old flag say hold fire, thinking, well, it's worth just keeping them here and playing them rather than selling them. 
let them go for a free if need if, if that's the way he goes let them go for a free but they might just help him get back up or help Sorry. us get up and then we'll, we'll swap places with Wolves and they'll become our players in the Premier League there's a lot of ifs in that though and the Wolves are going to you've got to play well for us <laughs> it's, it's like we just fantasy book the next 12 months football <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was that was said with very much tongue in cheek I don't quite think that's going to happen but yeah yeah bro so what we're going to do now, that sort of rounds up anything sort of directly stipulated, but we've actually got a special guest on the pod this week. So um, a few of you may have known from Twitter, it's at Stoke Gaffer. So Kyle is going to join us now and uh, talk through about a few things that he uh, would like to mention about Gaffer, the game. So joining us for this section of the podcast, uh, we've got a very special guest making his pod debut. Um, you may know him on Twitter as at Stoke Gaffer. So, Kyle, welcome to Every Step Along the Way. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. So, obviously, you've gone in the year today. You want to talk about um, Gaffer. Do you want to give people a bit of a, a bit of a, um, sort of a round view about what, what Gaffer is? Gaffer is the championship equivalent to Fantasy Premier League. Uh, but it's uh, vastly different in that uh, it's the same scoring as uh, as that fantasy game um for uh, certain things you know like um, clean sheets assists and goals but it's it's like that turned up to the max really um in the yeah there's, there's a few buttons on there and they get like bonus points and things aren't there yes yeah, so, so it is it's it's a what i mean what i mean is it's uh it's a normal fantasy game in in terms of you still score points for um, goals, assists, and clean sheets, but um, there are um, nine boosts in total, three in each set of fifteen game weeks, uh, sixteen game uh, game weeks in the final set. Um, so it's it's very. Uh, it's it's very exciting and you're never out of the race to win in mini league um and yeah there's just more points on offer than in um contemporary fantasy games like you might have played at fpl uh but but this is uh to me and to many other people on twitter um a much superior product. So I know we, you say that about the boosts. I mean, I I was playing last year and I wasn't doing too great. I think we were sort of at, at that point. I think Andy was still with us, so I was sort of behind him. I was behind Mike, and then I say, yeah, I cashed in a couple of my boosts and I shot right past both of them in one week. Um, so yeah, I do know what you mean. If you, if you judge it right, and 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 uh, I, I put a little bit of research in, and I think I. I picked an entire team, like I think like ten out of eleven were away, and you can do a boost where um, a game points for people playing away count double or treble. So I did that one, and all of a sudden it was like, like I say, they all had a great week and a shot right up. Um, so yeah, it is. It's a good game. I enjoyed playing it um, last year. Uh, what what would you say, um, Stokewise? Is there is there any players that people should be looking out for? So yeah, I'll just quickly go through uh, the best Stoke players to own in in Gaffer, um, in my opinion. So uh, starting with um, defenders, I think 
that uh, the best Stoke defender to own is someone called Henry. <laughs> <laughs> that that was uh, that was that was affectionately named on this podcast. Um, so Kiana Hoover uh, comes in at five point five um, in Gaffer. Um, he had four goals and one assist in fifteen games last season. And I worked out that over a full season at the same rate would be 12 goals and three assists, which is pretty exceptional for uh, for a right back. Um, not that he would um, be expected to, to get that, but say if, if he only got, say, 10 goals and two assists, that would still be uh, far better than uh, than any defender in Gaffer over the past uh, three seasons that the game has been going on for. However, our player of the year and obviously Stokes player of the year like last year was sort of Ben Wilmoth. So would his obviously his performances showed us that he was he had a great season? Did that sort of would that transfer into numbers, Ben's style of play, or does he not sort of get the right sort of the point scoring actions, if you like? Um, it's a good point you make there because uh, usually fullbacks score higher in Gaffer because they they have uh, bigger potential to get points for goals and assists from being higher up the pitch, um, and they also score better in the uh, bonus system if if they're particularly attacking um, because the bonus point system is based on. Uh, key passes, uh, dribbles, and shots on target predominantly, um, which Hoover would score would outscore Ben Wilmot in uh, quite comfortably. Um, but with Wilmot, he's expected to start every game in the league, so he's also a good pick. He comes in at uh, five million, the same as Josh Tyman. Uh, and Josh Tyman, if he nails down the place at left back, is also a good pick. Um, but um, there's there's that threat of rotation with Ender Stevens. Um, but going back to Hoover, he got all of his goals and assists in the space of four games. So if you transferred him in for the game, he scored a brace for Blackburn and decided after that goal and assist away at Coventry um, three games later that you'd looked in and having got the best of a ridiculous run of form, decided that that was that. I've got the best out of Hoover and it was time to transfer him out for the next defender that that would go on uh, a run of getting um, goals and assists. Uh, playing particularly well for a team that was on a good run of form. Uh, that's the way to play Gaffer rather than to uh, pick players for the whole season. What I would try and do is is try and spot uh, patterns like that where you can see a team's uh, not performing uh, the same as what they were 
um, maybe they have a tough run of fixtures and it's time to transfer out the players. Yeah, so I suppose looking at midfielders for Stoke, you're talking about purple patches. I mean, Lewis Baker had one hell of a purple patch, didn't he, about you know, 18 months ago. And then last season, he sort of did form, did dip off. Um, you know, whatever that was due to, whether that was his the knee injury that he's having his operation for, change of manager, whatever. He, so his purple patch, like I say, somebody to put him in a, in that first season when he signed in January, they'd have been, they'd have really looked in. But then maybe, like I say, maybe kept him a bit too long last season. I imagine the start of last season, especially Stoke fans, there have been quite a few people sticking Baker in the side, wouldn't there? Uh, yeah, I, he he was a good pick for me because not many people uh, knew what an important player he was and what what an asset he was, uh, particularly going forward, because he was on all the set pieces, which you score points for as they class as uh, key passes um, in the bonus system, and he's also on uh, he was also on the the penalties. Um, last season until uh, he lost his place in the team. It's, it's about finding those players that are maybe not um, massively owned within the game, but you have an inkling that they might go on this, um, you know, run of 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 picking up um, goals and assists. So, so what? But don't replace him with somebody like a Ben Pearson, because I imagine. But was Ben ended up in minus points? How many bookings he picked up? Because <laughs> there weren't the goals and assists, were there either to balance? It yeah, out? Um, uh, I think I, I would definitely avoid Ben Pearson for sure, for sure in this game, because the like I say, <laughs> the the point system is um, centered around attacking points and not yeah, so not much designed for you. Not so much um, and the amount of yellow cards that Pearson is likely to get uh, is is also, also counts against um, having him in midfield. Uh, but one midfielder I would recommend from Stoke is uh, Josh Laurent. He comes okay. in at he comes in at five point five. Uh, for me, he is. A steady Eddie, he's he's Mister Reliable in the midfield in terms of gaffer, um, and his consistency is impressive. Over the three seasons that Gaffer has been going, he's reached over a hundred points, which puts him in the top one hundred midfielders for combined points across those seasons, uh, despite only being a budget midfielder. Um, so a lot of people think of Josh Laurent as being um, a centre mid who um, maybe only gets forward um, a handful of times in the game, but when he does go forward, and we've seen it time and time again, when he bursts forward um, and he makes those dribbles and he sets up those shots, which um, for anyone that, that's unsure, um, a key pass is when um, a player assists a shot um, and Josh Laurent uh, performs very well in the bonus system due to um, his dribbling and key passes. So, I mean, so, looking at attacking, looking at attacking players and that, 
Tyrese Campbell to us seemed to be the one, you know, the, the, the main attacking outlets, goals, assists, key passes, crossing the, the lot. He seemed to be the main the main man um, to us on this podcast anyway. So do you, to, to, to you, do, do, the number, do the numbers reflect that last year? Um, in- interesting that you mentioned Campbell, obviously the standout forward um, in Gaffer. Uh, he's classified as a forward while most wingers are classed as midfielders and Tyrese Campbell has moved into more of a um, a wide role where he has performed better, um, but he takes up a forward spot and you only get three forwards um, and all players um, score the same amount of points for goals. Um, so that's something to bear in mind. Um, but he is only 7 million in Gaffer. Um, he's 7.0, uh, the same as last season. Um, and Campbell has averaged about one in three in the championship, either side of his injury in 2020, and has provided eight goals and one assist in 51 starts playing centre forward compared with 13 goals and 12 assists in 34 starts playing either right wing or left wing. So he's far better in those wide positions. So he might be better placed in the highest score and forwards category. Yeah. So so if we're going to summarise this up, we've got pick, try and pick four. You could pick four fullbacks or three fullbacks, depending on what formation you're playing. So try and pick fullbacks because you get better points for them. Avoid you, avoid you midfielders who go around kicking people, and let's get some attacking-minded midfielders in there. And strikers, maybe ones who score and assist. They so they they the players ideally. If you're going to pick a team, look at those kind of players. Is that what we could what we can sort of take from this? If you look at someone sitting down, they're going yeah, to sit down, they're going to go on the gaffer side. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think with gaffer, the more research and time you put into uh, looking at the, the stats, and I know um, you like your stats, Dan. Um, so you'll, you, you'll, you'll really um, like gaffer in that the research does pay off. And I've found that over... Um, the three seasons I've played the game so far. And yeah, it's just really good fun. It's it's not all about where you finish in the leaderboard. I mean, it's up to you how seriously you want to take it. There are many different ways of picking your team. Some people will go all in on Stoke players and have all three of the maximum number of Stoke players. Um, Others will take a more analytical approach and... um, be more objective and just maybe pick one or two when we have good fixtures, which is the way I, I like to play it. Um, but I'll I'll just finish, and I know we've taken up some time already, so um, I'll finish on a question to you, Dan. Who is the only Stoke player to have got over 200 gaffer points in a season in the last three seasons? Oh, is this whilst playing for Stoke? Yes. I would say well, it might have to be Jacob Brown because he scored 14 one season. Didn't he? Might, he might have done enough that year, maybe. 
Yes, that, that is correct. He scored uh, two, 203 points in the 2021-22 season. And that makes him the third all-time top forward in Gaffer of all the forwards left in the division. Oh, wow. Well, well yeah, well, hopefully we get that Jacob Brown back this year. <laughs> well, I'm going to take the full Stoke approach. I'm going to set my team up tonight. I'm going to have... You've convinced me. We've got Henry in there. We've got Josh Loren and we've got Tyrese Campbell. They're the first three names going in. And then I'll work the rest out after. Cheers for Kyle there for joining us and um, talking through. I'm going to put my team together now, Mike. Uh, Has he convinced you? Has he convinced you to to get a team in this year and, and have another go at it? If I'm honest, he hasn't. Um, no, I won't be doing a team. I, it's one of them. I started off like I'd say 70% of fantasy football uh, people do. You start off with all good intentions and you just lose your way because life gets in the way. You, you know, you're, you're crap at forgetting about Super 6, even though yeah. I've told you to put a bloody reminder in your phone. So I'll be doing Super 6. You'll be doing Gaffer. And as always, we'll keep everybody updated on the league tables every single week um, as well, because uh, I know that Kyle appreciates it and a number of other people who play the game uh, appreciate it as well. So uh, even though I'm not playing, no, I will still... lights. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, I, and I'll, I'll still be positive and I'll still be engaged with it all. I just won't be playing, which actually gives me more time to stick the boot in against you, basically. <laughs> I'll have to, to try and get myself at the top and see what you say then. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. I've already got him here in my team. Tyrese Campbell, Josh Loren and uh, Ben Will. Uh, no, not Ben Will. What? Kenneke Yana Hoover. I've got to make the rest of my side up now, though. So I'm off to do that. Um, but we may have some spaces. Podcasts over the weekend. Depends if we manage to get these signings over the line. Um, and if we beat Everton 5 now, we might have to do that. We'll do one as well for that. But yes, uh, other, other than that, um, keep your podcast feeds open next week. It could be a busy one because we're going to be looking forward to the start of the season, both for the Championship and for Stoke. And then uh, that'll be through, hopefully through the week, and uh, some point during the week, if not all through the week. And then on Friday, we will be back with a proper preview pod for Rotherham. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.